Welcome to this week's episode of the Geek Offensive Podcast. On the show this week, I have toy journalist Lauren Stone, and we talk a whole lot about toys and uh, just Amazing. nostalgia. It was great. Uh, fantastic episode. Lauren, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, this yeah, was it was my blast. pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I yeah. had a great time. Um, you got, you've got a lot of stuff coming up, but uh, yeah, please, uh, what do you have to plug and wh- where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on social media, mostly Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Lauren Stone. I'm sure L O R Y N. You know, I'm sure you guys will write it down because my name is spelled weird. Because in the <laughs> '80s, there were Y's everywhere. <laughs> um, you can find me on the local Los Angeles convention scene. Um, I manage, own, run, help, freelance on a whole bunch of conventions in the Los Angeles area. Um, and yeah, that and then you can always just uh, find me writing for toy-wizards.com, Sci-Fi Wire, Pop Lurker, and that's that's the easiest place to locate me. And we'll tag your social media on uh, when we promote this. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dave, do you have anything to plug before we get on with the episode? Um, you can find me on that Boyd 1989. I'm getting way better at this social media thing. I know. How many, to- how many times did you post this week? Uh, this. Uh, I'm down. Oh, I'm down. I was down. at two last week. Yeah, I was at two last week. I'm down to zero. <laughs> God, I suck. You can't, <laughs> no, you it's can't okay. monetize yeah, without you're me. Right, you you're right. You're right. Can't I, stop. Just keep I going. I just, yeah, I'm going to keep going. Brand I just, it. I, yeah, right? I just don't, I don't like people. <laughs> is that, like, is that fair? That's my brand. Well, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, no, but, uh, yeah, you find me on that boy, 1980. I'm still waiting for the DMs. Yeah, oh, we have this running joke. It's like, we're waiting for someone to DM him a dick pic. Yeah, just a, we keep like, inviting. Like, like, just, like go. Come on, come on. Wait, bring it, bring <laughs> it. I'm not gonna say I won't send one back, but like, <laughs> just bring it. Like, I, I just let's see what happens. Whatever. <laughs> let's get let's get weird. Let's yeah. get weird. Let's exactly. get weird, man. Let's get but, offensive. Uh, let's yeah. get weird. Let's get weird. Offensive. Whatever you want to do, I'm I'm with it. I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> I don't know. Ooh, critical feedback. You're right? just like, hey man, you might want to go to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> you bad. might want to get that looked at yeah. now. But... According to my compass, the direction of your cross is pointing in. <laughs> yeah. That's not natural, bro. <laughs> like, north and south, not east and west. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, now I'm just, like seeing a split. <laughs> You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like a Da Vinci drawing of yeah. just all the just, angles. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you can find me on Instagram at Justin Malari and on Twitter at Justin underscore Malari. And the Geek Offensive is on all social media with the handle at Geek Offensive. Um, this is where the plugs are going to change up because, as you may have heard the Geek say, what network will be dissolved at the end of 2019. But I want to assure all of our faithful listeners that the show is not going anywhere. We've gone fully independent. Geek Offensive is now under my control completely. Uh, we'll be out on everywhere we usually are now. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, SoundCloud, wherever you can get a podcast, we're there. Uh, and we'll be out every Tuesday like clockwork. That's not going to stop. So, again, thank you for sticking by with us, um, sticking by us. Um, but, yeah, that's what's going on with the network. Uh, I'm sure we'll have an update episode once everything's all said and done. Tell me that part again about under my control completely. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that the part. <laughs> mine. <laughs> Bow to my control. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's what's going on with the show. So don't worry, it's not going anywhere. 
Uh, the only real shout-out we have now is to our social producers, Wayland Productions, for providing the space and the equipment for us. They've been with us this entire time. Shout-out to Casey Wayland and his whole team. Uh, find them at wayland.ws on, uh, online, and uh, check out their audio drama, We're Live Gold Rush, now available on Apple Podcasts. And that's it for the plugs. Lauren, thank you again. This was a blast. You got uh, it. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe to join the, join the offensive. Oh, figured I would have gotten that line after 140 episodes. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe to join the offensive. Cue my music. Uh, I mean, yeah, clearly I dressed up for this. this yeah, not, right. uh, we're not <laughs> pretending to be anything else. But here. but you brought the guns out. I was saying, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I'm like, oh, he's all swole. Yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> he's been working out. He's got that extra time on his hands. <laughs> hey, Thanksgiving's coming up, so <laughs> my, I'm hitting the gym extra hard. Dude, my my Krav Maga studio. Um, we're doing something called the Turkout Workout, which is two hours of circuit training, after like the Saturday after mm. Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm pumped, dude. I'm like, yeah. I'm ready to go. Like my studio is going to be closed for two weeks um, between Christmas and the new year. And like, I'm seriously, I'm scouring Amazon going like, what the fuck am I going to do? I need to like set up pads on my, on my wall. Like I need, <laughs> I need shit on the floor. Like I need a hydro punching bag. Like I can't not go for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. No, it's bad. It's really bad. Like I'm seriously like, I wouldn't quite call it a panic, but like I'm already scheming. Like I can't go to my Krav Maga for two weeks, mm-hmm. I, what am I going to do? Right. And I'm, go, I'm seriously going to punch walls. But that's good. You've set up, like, your home gym. So, like, well, let's, say you, let's say you stop going. Like, oh, I can still do my workout. You found well, a way to... Well, the home gym's in my head. In your head. Oh, I, okay. I'm going to buy it. I'm going <laughs> to buy it. I'm, like, I'm researching. Yeah, I'm going to buy absolutely. all the shit. Well, there's, um, there's, there's always... Krav Maga's run. impressive. Yeah. I've taken That's a an impressive like martial ago. art. I yeah. love it. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. I haven't been in there long. I'm not going to embellish. No. Um, I'm testing for my yellow belt soon, so I've been in there about two months. Um, but I like I grasp on fast. That's like, oh, yeah. longer than most people who go to any gym. Oh yeah. So. Well, <laughs> here's the thing with um, you know, I I always knew I wanted to do a martial arts like when I back when I was in my 20s. I'm mm-hmm. now 34. Uh, when I was in my 20s, I was like, what martial art is the right one for me? Mm-hmm. So I went to a friend's like Kung Fu and no, I went to like Taekwondo and like uh, Jiu Jitsu's and it just like nothing. And then traditional karate and it just nothing clicked. And then I was like, I want to try that, that Krav Maga. And then like, you know, got married, had kids and like, you definitely don't want to get punched while you're pregnant. And so I, yeah, it's fair. And so got that got put on hold. Then it was finally time. And like my tattoo artist said that his friend's studio is opening in in my town and I was like I gotta go and I just paid for the year <laughs> like up front and I lo- by the second like other martial arts that I've been that I had done in the past it was all like stand and do your form it was like watching Dragon Ball do your form do your yeah, form eight I mean, weeks yeah. in that's, do your form yeah. that's a subject yeah. we've kind of touched on in the show because we we do like MMA breakdowns too we, we do a lot of weird stuff on this show but, um, yeah, it's cool. but yeah we've talked about that a little bit just because there are a lot of schools out there that are just kind of bullshit like, there are a lot of uh, martial arts schools that kind of just con you out of your money. They Terrible. kind of like, oh, just come here for two months straight, pay for the lessons, and we'll give you this belt. And then yeah, come again. it's automatic. Okay. Yeah, it's not like, they're not really focused on teaching you something. Yeah. And it's dangerous because 
the person goes out thinking like, oh, I know how to protect myself when really they haven't you learned know a goddamn thing. Right, you know, like 12 pretty poses. Yeah. Exactly. With Krav Maga, by my second lesson, I was sparring bruised and on the floor it was amazing yeah see that's a good indicator it's a good school when you're sparring too there's like i'm assuming there's bags to hit oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so like that's that should be like your first indicator walk in are there bags to hit if there's none of that like get the hell out of there yeah, yeah. and no when you know we we hit each other and you know with with the pads yeah but of course we hit you know we hit each other and it's like you have to kick your hardest to you know train train like you fight fight like you train and if the uh, if you aren't giving it to the other person as hard as they can take it, and that that you know your person holding your pad isn't challenging you as hard as you can take it, then you're failing each other. Yeah, yeah you're doing each other a disservice exactly. at yeah. that point. That's like right? a rare thing to find in any type of like athletic activity. Someone who's going to push you. Oh yeah. The right way, as in like you know. Obviously, in sparring, you're trying to push each other, but you don't want to injure each other. Yeah, it's right. respectful. Exactly. Um, and you know, with Krav Maga, like I'm quoting my instructor here, what's Krav Maga? We go for the dick. Like, yeah. and that's what Krav Maga is yeah. known for. Everyone's like, oh, that's the one where you punch each other in the dick. I'm it's like, effective. Well, yeah. I mean, that's not. Yeah, exactly. That's not the cut and dry. That's not the end all. But you know, if you're in true hand to hand combat, yeah, you're gonna you know smack someone yeah. in, in the dick until they let you go. How much of that, again, I took a class like years and years ago, but like how much of it is like groundwork? How much of it is like stand up? We mix it up. Mix it up. We okay. mix it up. So, um, you know, we do ground. There's a ground in my school. There's groundwork class on Thursdays after level one and two. Um, we'll mix it up with half the class on our feet, half the class on our back. It just varies. Some weeks we st- do more um, bear hugs and breaking away and choke mm-hmm. holds. Some days, some days it's more on punching. Some days we're on our back the whole time, like just kicking, you know, the pad from the ground. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's yeah. amazing. I love it. The one thing I appreciate about like that type of martial art, it's how to finish a fight. Like not even like you're going to get into a scuffle. Someone may grab you, but how do you finish that? Exactly. Fight? Yeah. You know, that's the best part about like Krav Maga or like jujitsu. How do you finish that fight? Right. And you don't necessarily need to kill someone. Yeah. No, not, no, no. no, you no, know? no. <laughs> and that's the thing too is like, you have to gauge the fight. Now you can you would definitely always want to hit aggressively and violently, but that could mean knock the wind out of them and run, yeah, exactly. not break their necks and go to jail. <laughs> exactly. Right. You don't yeah. have to do that every time. But again, it sounds like you've found like the right balance. Like you've found those good training partners who aren't going to like go too far. Yeah, of course. Everybody has to be respectful. Um some of the, you know, and the dudes don't hold back. You know, they Which don't want to. Yeah. A good. I, it might sound like a bit much to someone who's just listening to this, but like that's that's what you need if you're training. Men are inherently afraid of hitting women, which is very good. Yeah. <laughs> they should be. Yeah, you absolutely. should not hit women. So when a man is suddenly given a pad and say and told punch her, um, you know he needs to find his level too. Also, yeah. um, I have a really really awesome elbow shaped bruise on my thigh right now because Ooh. I got elbowed during grappling class. I loved it. It was a cheap shot. Oh, oh yeah. God. Sounds like that 12 to 6 elbow that's still illegal in the, yeah, in the right. UFC. <laughs> I admired his technique and I survived it. <laughs> and you're better for it. And I'm yeah. better for it. Now yes. you know it's okay. I've been through that. Now we move on. I want, I'm just, I'm this person that when when we're sparring, when we're practicing, and someone can kick me into the wall, I'm like, dude, nice. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, that's the right attitude. Absolutely. I'm there because I admire their improvement and I want to improve as well. Now, for like I had this one time I was sparring with someone and we do this kind of like 
um, it, it's like pretend hitting where we just kind of do these like air combatives at each other mm -hmm. where it's like first you would do this, this, and this in a fight. Um, I was with a partner who got a little overzealous and he kind of knocked me in the face and I was like, bro, I make money on this thing. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful. Absolutely. Like it's, it's, all, it's one of the few things I have. The personality's in the, sh in the shitter. So let's <laughs> leave the face alone. <laughs> Oh man, we might have to we have to bring you back for when we do like a UFC breakdown. Yeah, <laughs> just we we do like we do our like our own fight picks and stuff. So yeah, we have to bring I'll you back. Always for come that. back. You have me. <laughs> I'll RSVP right now. Nice, awesome, cool, nice, awesome. Because we're booking for next year. Yeah, right. Uh, but no, Lauren, thanks for coming on. This will be the closest thing we get to a formal intro. But no problem. Like that was actually fun to talk to you. And like I didn't even know that about you. So, um, Lauren, you're uh, a, a toy journalist. You run toywizards.com. Mm -hmm. um, I first saw you actually at a Matrix panel back in WonderCon. What was that, April? That was this spring. Yeah. That's yeah. Ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, Excellent but, panel, by the way. Yeah. Prize pony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent panel. But uh, yeah, that's um, it. For someone like me, who's, uh, again, I haven't had a chance to nerd out about toys on this show. Never. For as long as it's been around. We've been around since like, for like three years now. And I'm like, oh, that's something I've never been able to talk to anyone about. So I, I just want to like go into more and you're like, what, what kind of, how do you get into that career? Because it sounds like a dream job. I do get paid for it. Um, you know, do I pay the mortgage with it? No. Yeah. Ah. No. But there are layers to working with toys where you could pay your bills more. You could sell toys. You could manufacture toys. You could paint toys. You could write about toys. So, you know, you have to look at it really, really broadly. And then you might find a niche within toys that you can successfully be paid for all the time. Mm -hmm. um, currently, I'd say that my two jobs right now is toy journalism, toy wizards, toy-wizards.com. And then I also am the toy journalist for Sci-Fi Wire. I currently write their important toy news column. I've done some San Diego Comic-Con roundups for them. And I most recently wrote the Black Friday guides for them. There's three that we're focusing on horror, Marvel slash Avengers, and Star Wars. So I've been updating those as new Black Friday deals come up for Sci-Fi. Um, so how do you get into toy journalism mm -hmm. is the question. Oh yeah. And I also work in the convention sphere. We can talk more about that later. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get worry. to that. Yeah. Um, toy journalism. So I guess the long and short of it is started for me. Um, I was a, just a general pop culture writer. I'd done some writing for crack.com mm -hmm. and nailed a few articles. And then I started up my own publication that was called pop lurker, where it was just, again, listicle style articles, general pop culture, fan theories, my garbage person ramblings about which cartoon character should fuck the other cartoon character, <laughs> which, which horror villain I most want inside my body. Like, you know, normal shit like that, that people think about, um, very normal, by Very way. normal, yeah. yeah you, you really <laughs> embrace that normalcy. But what ended up happening in the, I guess I'll call it, the conventional um, pop culture writing sphere is that just because of my time, I just wasn't able to consume media in the same at the same speed as my contemporaries. So I would watch like a big show, like I've seen Game of Thrones, of course, and you know, I'm watching The Mandalorian right now. Um, I will hit the big ones, but like, I've never seen all the Marvel movies. And like, I just can't keep up in that same way, which affects the type of articles that people will pay you for. But I've always been a toy collector. I love toys. I love toy culture. I love toy shows and conventions. I. I have so many funny stories about like the lanes I used to go to to collect toys like old junky anime bootlegs because I was a big old otaku old taku <laughs> I'm an old taku now I'm in the same boat with you yeah we're old takus now <laughs> 
And and it's funny because people are like, oh, you know, how long have you been a weeb? I'm like, that word wasn't even around, dude. I don't right? Even, <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck a weeb is. Like, it's <laughs> otaku if you admit to it. Um, so, you know, the long and short uh, with toy journalism is Toy Wizards was actually pitched to me by my friend and business partner, Scott Zillner. He's the one, the promoter, owner of Power Morphicon, amongst other shows. And, you know, we just found that we worked really well together. And he pitched this idea of a toy news website to me. And he and I was like, you know what? Like, my schedule's opening up. Any news site is scary because you have to up, update it just about every day. You can yeah. maybe, if you're, you know, you can maybe give yourself a day off, um, but you really have to update it every day. And I was like, is there enough toy news? What am I getting myself into? What sort of things do you write for toy news? But like, we just started the beginning of this year, like January 1st or 2nd, and we hit the ground running and the site just skyrocketed. Um, our traffic is fantastic. We're definitely in the top few toy news websites in, I, I'll, I'll just say the country because I don't know what other countries are doing. I mean, I can't think of another one. The only publication that I even remember, and this is from back in the day, I used to read Toy Fair right. all the time. Like, right. that was my jam. And then um, after that kind of fell off, like, there wasn't really a lot of coverage of that. And then it, I kind of found myself kind of, you know, falling out of the hobby of collecting. I still love toys. I, I mean, I still keep a, I still have a room full of like all the stuff I've collected over the years. But, um, yeah, as far as actual news, I would say it wasn't even maybe until last year is when I started like looking at hey what's going on again, and then you start seeing the Netflix show come out. Um, so yeah, it, it was just kind of fascinating to hear like oh this is. I mean, I, I guess I, I want to say comeback, but like toys have always been at every convention, right? So it's yes, and yeah. they've always been there at small shows. Mm. You've always had either your big ticket vintage items mm. or your bins of, as I affectionately call them, just your tchotchke bin. Yeah, um, it's okay for me. I'll speak for myself and my own collecting. It's okay to have a little Shira doll or an Evil Lynn or a old tiny one of those tiny Voltrons or Iron Giant that's a little scuffed up because it's just going on your desk exactly yeah. it's okay to have decorative toys at the same time you can also have your in-box stuff you can have a mixture of vintage and new collectibles like there's people who just collect Marvel Legends those are new I mean at some point they won't be new because you'll have ones that are you know mm -hmm. 5 10 20 years old yeah. but right now most Marvel Legends are new same if you collect uh, the Star Wars Black series those are new uh, Power Rangers Lightning Collections from Hasbro. Those are new. Or even the old Bandai ones. Um, really, with Power Rangers, anything, I guess, I would say 2012 to present, it's new. Mm -hmm. uh, so it doesn't always have to be, like, vintage. But, yeah, toys have always been around. Um, I want to say, like, the toy exclusive from, like, Comic-Con and stuff really might have brought back a lot of toy collecting culture and, like, that exclusive thing that only certain people can get it. It just changes the game. All these things change the game. But, yeah, with toy, um, with toy journalism, so we started doing uh, Toy Wizards, and it shot out, took off, and it was because of Toy Wizards that I felt comfortable and confident enough to apply for the um, Sci-Fi Wire toy journalism right. gig. They, they just do the column once a week, and then I write specialized pieces. But out the gate, I was handed a weekly column from Sci-Fi. Because That's pretty awesome. <laughs> right. I mean, like, that doesn't happen to everybody. Yeah. yeah. They, they put out a tweet saying, we need a toy journalist, and a friend of mine tagged me. And mm. like that, it was just 
I got it. Let's, let's take it back a bit. Was the yeah. fascination where, I mean, um, I, I'm going to guess you played with toys when you were little. Was Definitely. the fascination always there? Like, was it always a collecting thing or what? Let me think. Well, yes. All right. So when I was, I was, a, I was really into like Barbies mm -hmm. and not in that way of like, let's dress them up and make them pretty. For me, the Barbie was a vessel to project stories onto. I'm a writer. Yeah. I've always been a writer. So like a lot of kids with their He-Mans or their Ninja Turtles, and they'd make these epic journeys. I mean, that was me and my Barbies. That was just my chosen toy. Cause like my sisters had my little pony, but I didn't like them because they weren't shaped like people. Mm -hmm. People could act out my stories. Ponies <laughs> could not. In retrospect, that's a very healthy attitude. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, it, you know, in that regard, it was about the stories. And cause I, I mean, I, I have a bachelor's degree in creative writing I have one published novel and I've written two that didn't get published I've always just had this you know stories inside of me I like making worlds yeah it's a very natural thing for a child to do too. I, I did that also and it, you know it'd be like uh you know michelangelo fighting with the gi joes over something like yeah that, like you know? cross yeah. universe yeah you like always that like, stuff like stuff you want yeah. to see but yeah. is not out there for you exactly. to see you just make it up in yeah your head. i would totally act out stuff all the time and yeah. set up battles and you know <laughs> hey man if jetsons meet the flintstones could exist so could michelangelo meets gi joe <laughs> yeah. right you know i'm about I that i feel like that does exist somewhere yeah well Maybe. probably yeah. What, Michelangelo and G.I. Joe? Maybe, maybe I IDW? Jetson, I don't know. Jetsons meet the Flintstones is that real. That definitely happened. <laughs> Power Rangers met the Ninja Turtles, and the Ninja Turtles met Batman. Yeah. No, okay. That much happened. Then, um, of course, Scooby-Doo has met everybody. Yeah. I remember yeah. that episode of Power Rangers in Space. That oh, was, so embarrassing. That was, that, that was the reason I got Netflix, because I'm like... I gotta see that. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, hey guys, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, that's just a common, like, why do we bother saving the world? These guys got it in New York. Like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, they got one city covered. And <laughs> oh, it's so ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, so, I, you know, that was one aspect. I think the, the collecting started. My earliest memory of collecting is probably when I was five, four or five, The Little mm -hmm. Mermaid came out. And so I got an Ariel doll and then I got a variant Ariel doll second wave a new, new long hair she had the straight hair the first one had the curly hair and then from there I was like oh well I also like this Japanese version of the Little Mermaid where she had the blonde hair is based off the of Hans Christian Andersen she dies it's tragic but so I was like ooh <laughs> I can collect mermaids with other colored hair so then I collected those mermaids and then I got these mermaids so I definitely had amassed a mermaid collection mm -hmm. Which I still I still have my Little Miss Singing Mermaid doll from nineteen Hanukkah nineteen ninety, like wow yeah I still that have is it. awesome. People ask That's me all the time. I'd... It was this really cool doll, beautiful doll, um, with a cute little like face, and she had like the puffy lips and the little heart on her cheek. There was a whole Little Miss line of dolls: Little Miss makeup, Little Miss hair, like whatever. And so Little Miss Singing Mermaid, um, you would squeeze her body, and she would sing, and the sound would come out of her crown. Now the best part about it is because this toy was from nineteen ninety. Um, it's barely water resistant. They encourage you to take her into the tub <laughs> because her tail yeah. changed colors in the tub. Nice. So they had this toy. As soon as you said that, like I remembered it like clearly. In my head. I'm like, oh shit, that uh, yeah, I totally remember go. that. Yeah. Well, now see, so yeah, you're now you're back. You're back in. You're, yeah. You're now you're joining me in the Little Missing Mermaid commercial. <laughs> you're wearing the Crossfire commercial. It's yeah, <laughs> we're going back in time. So. 
you know, but the best part was now t kids toys today, they have like screwdrivers and their clothes so the kids can't get the batteries because they don't yeah. want to eat them. They didn't give a fuck back then. It was like you twist that shit and you unplug a nine volt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I routinely oh, yeah. took apart Absolutely. all my toys. Mm -hmm. Like my all my G.I. Joe vehicles, they're in pieces because yeah. I was just like, how does this work? And you it, twist it, it in the palm. Yeah. And it like kind of encouraged my like habit of like tinkering with something if yeah. i get like a new piece of tech like you know unless you know something like that like i'll just mess with it and be like can i do this with it like i'll just mess with it yeah none of my joes made it through my no. adolescent years although i fireworks changed my life <laughs> <laughs> and then the the war became realistic <laughs> I did um, do something once I found my old stash of like the the, the four inch GI Joes from like the what was it the nineties mid nineties early the, to, the, like the eight eighties the three point the three point seven five inch ones went from eighty two to about ninety four that's the yeah. real American Hero line yeah. yeah so I remember finding them and I'm like oh the rubber bands had all like dried out oh like yeah in the middle the O rings yeah, yeah so yeah so I did yeah I just went to Home Depot bought some O rings and I just kind of repaired all of them did like, it work yeah it worked and they're like oh this is perfect they're like new wow. nice yeah look um, at you <laughs> just fixing it I had to I know I had to find something to do um, but you also mentioned your otaku what at what age did that come up also wait where are you from by the way where am i from yeah i'm from the los angeles, los angeles. area okay yeah. so i'm guessing you grew up with like johan's then now it's mitsua but or stores like it oh um those were not in the valley i'm a those valley the, girl oh okay okay i'm a valley girl i'm from woodland hills okay so we had nothing we didn't even have a starbucks um it was yeah it, the valley was a funny place back then mm -hmm. but yeah we didn't have anything we didn't have a walmart we didn't have starbucks we didn't have mitsuas we didn't have there was probably still like the korean market hidden somewhere deeper in the valley mm -hmm. like the like the h and k which is now greenland like that probably was hidden in like van nuys but not in wood we didn't have that in woodland hills oh okay so how did you even find it then what getting into anime yeah the all the japanese stuff because i remember i had uh, i had cousins who lived uh kind of south bay uh, Carson and that area. Um, we, we had a sh Japanese supermarket. It was called Johan's back then. Now it's called uh, Mitsua. And uh, yeah, that was like one of the cool things I got to because I grew up here in Orange. Mm -hmm. They would take me over there and like, hey, check out all this cool stuff. None of it was in English. So we had no idea what it was, but it just <laughs> looked really cool. And uh, that's pretty much how they got me to, like giant robots and all that through, stuff. Through like can't bag, bags of candy with a Gundam on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, what is this stuff? And it was just funny because like I didn't see any of it come out for years. I would even tell my friends about it. I mean, they'd be like, shut up, Justin. You're just making this up. And then all of a sudden it blows up like years after I had already fallen out of the hobby. There were a few waves of anime in the U.S. I can mm -hmm. kind of break it down like this. Um, so I didn't get any of the tasty Japanese snacks till mm -hmm. I was and Korean snacks until I was driving when I was 16 okay. and I would like go to the Asian markets and I would buy them and they were super cheap. It was mm -hmm. great. So rewind back to like in the early 80s, those dudes who were children back then, they got that's when they got to watch Robotech yeah. and Voltron oh, yeah. and just tons of like random shows that were given some strange English name and they got all the robots. Uh, Mattel brought over that whole Shogun Warriors and then they got yep. they got the Robotech toys and they got the Voltron toys. So there was this huge wave of just early anime emerging. Yeah. But it died at a certain point. It died at a certain point. So then by the time I was a kid, and I'm guessing you're around my age, by the time I was a kid, 
Nickelodeon was just launching Nick Jr. And Nick Jr. brought over all this anime. Yep. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. They did not have Nicktoons until 1991 when they brought over Rugrats and Doug and Ren and Stimpy. Before that, it was all old, weird anime. So you had uh, Grimm's Fairy Tales, you had The Little Bits, you had The Noozles, you had Little Koala, you had Belle and Sebastian. That was my first taste of oh, these cartoons are different looking and they told stories differently. So that was first. And then when I was a kid from 94 to 97, my family after the big earthquake moved to Israel. My dad's Israeli. So in Israel, you got media from every country. So I'd watch all this old anime and a lot of it was like Miyazaki did like um, like Little Women, like there was oh. an old version of Little Women, like the book, but there was an anime series. There was old um, Alice in Wonderland, Sally the Witch. Uh, and the then, Alice in Wonderland sounds familiar. It was this version where she wore like a red and white dress. Mm-hmm. Very old anime. Probably I'd peg it 82, 83. And then, of course, all that Deke stuff like Inspector Gadget and Heathcliff, um, Rainbow Bright. All of that was drawn in Japan before we shipped things overseas to Korea, Mm -hmm. India, the Philippines, Canada, they were shipping to Japan. And then that's, so all of our beloved, you know, Deke cartoons, I might be the only person to ever say beloved in Deke, but I'm a fangirl. Um, (laughs) I love those shows too. I love those shows. But yeah, they're all (laughs) Japanese drawn. So that's why they look so freaking turbo, like because they're Japanese drawn. But they're American shows, like mm-hmm. Transformers the movie. I want to say G.I. Joe the movie. Um, I, for anyone who's never seen Rainbow Bright the movie, Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer, you are missing out. Um, but yeah, so th- there was just this... And, and if I could find Deke sells to this day, like, somebody call me. Every show I go to where somebody's selling cartoon animation cells, mm-hmm. I go up to them and I'm like, do you have any Deke cells? And they're like... I have Filmation, I have He-Man, I, I'm like, not you're not hearing me. <laughs> and I, I mean, like, I do, I'll collect some of that. I have this fantastic cell of Prince Adam, this dopey grin on his face, and he's blindfolded. And I'm like, what is happening <laughs> in this episode? Fantastic. And it's right above my bed. Oh. Right, oh, yeah, I need that. Right, I need to see that daily. <laughs> Every day. I just see Prince Adam blindfolded, and I'm like... You know what? It's going to be. It's going to be a good day. (laughs) It's going to be a good day. So uh, to answer your question directly, how did I get into anime? It was Sailor Moon and the Toonami block when Uh, I was when I was 13. Mm -hmm. That's what did it. I already knew that they made way amazing stuff in Japan because of the Nick Jr. stuff I referred to. So I was already aware that that this happened. Um, But when I saw Sailor Moon and they cut it off at like a fraction of fourth into the series i was like i need more and that's when you start going to like weird stores at the mall the little hidden comic book stores where they're selling bootlegs in the back oh yeah i would always hunt for those stores i'm like i have to go like if it had the right look i'm yeah. like i gotta go right to the back they got something mm-hmm. back there <laughs> and then you know you could get some mainstream stuff i wrote a whole article about this on pop lurker about just the desperate measures early anime fans went to because mm-hmm. Especially when, if we became fans somewhere in the late 90s. Because you have people who are anime fans in the 80s, and they're like, no, you don't know how hard it was. Like, there was no internet. We had to share tapes. It was like we showed them off in colleges. That's where my cousins came in. And, Big tape traders. And, and, that's, and that, was, that was hard. I'm not saying I, we had it harder. That was hard. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, 
our flavor of hard in the late 90s was like we had the internet but didn't fucking do anything. Nothing. No. It did fucking nothing. <laughs> nothing. You couldn't stream episodes of anything. Nope. If you found a single clip of like a Sailor Moon transformation or like Frisia doing something or like a specific duel from Utena or a pivotal moment, mm-hmm. if you were lucky enough to find that clip, it took you five fucking days to download. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It oh, was I like, remember those days. It was DSL, 20- baby. <laughs> DSL. Yeah. It was a, oh, before that even. 28K. Yeah, 28K. Yeah. Like you would just load up your real player and walk away oh, for my a while. Oh, yeah. Real player. You, just, you stick them on your Winamp where you collected all the skins. Oh, my God. Because that was early collecting, too. So to answer your question, like, what did early anime fans collect when you couldn't just walk into Barnes and Noble and get an SH figure arts? Oh my god. We collected desktop themes. We collected Winamp skins. Yep, yep. We collected like weird paper dolls where you just dressed up char- anime characters and different things. That that's what uh, my friends and I did. Um you collect I literally pulled a broken bootleg Sailor Mars doll out of the garbage one time. <laughs> um early eBay 1998, somebody was selling weird bootleg Sailor Venus enamel pins I stuck them in my ears as earrings I still have them they're my jewelry nice yeah Uh, I remember with that show specifically I just remember seeing like I think it like maybe just come out here but I was already seeing stuff where like the the extra scouts came in and I was just like oh there's there's more to this what's what's going on and so much more to this yeah everything was was just it was just like the tip of the tip of the iceberg yeah and there was so much more to Dragon Ball um oh yeah by the time Toonami started showing like Gundam Wing, we oh were starting to get it a little bit. Yeah. For me, pers- my personal relationship with Gundam Wing is those robots are cool. One of those boys gonna kiss. <laughs> <laughs> those just five boys who just needed to kiss, and then it was they're just, all very pretty. They're so say. they're so cute, and it was like, oh, duo and hero are like sort of a thing, and then like. Trays and Katra kind of a thing, and why is that like forty-year-old man all up on Wufei? <laughs> Well, if this shit wasn't supposed to, this isn't like head cannon. <laughs> clearly, this there's 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 clearly ties of this in the show. They're doing it to themselves. Oh yeah. Funny thing with me and Gundam Wing, like I had, okay, so I'd, I I was lucky enough to have a cousin living in Japan. So occasionally he would just send me a random toy. Mm-hmm. The the first time he he sent me um, something, it, it ended up being like what was eventually called the Shogun Zord here. Although it was like the I was just like, what the fuck is this? There's no English on it. Same thing happens with like Gundam Wing. So a couple of years before anyone even spoke the word here, he sends me the Endless Waltz models. Yeah, of, um, I remember those. It was a uh, it was Wu Fei and I think it was the uh, the Tall Geese. Okay. So he just sent me like the model kits. Yeah. And I was just like. What the hell are they? They look awesome. No English, except for like their names. And I was just like, oh, what? What is? What? What's going on here? You're like a tall geese is better than a short geese. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what is this? Like, I just remember all those bootleg stores that started popping up just conveniently right around the time I started getting into anime it was like this delicious virus so right around the time I got into anime suddenly these weird bootleg shops started popping up all over the mall yep and so I remember specifically one of them had just stacks and stacks and stacks of specifically Gundam wing bootleg kits Mm -hmm. back then from my experience you tell me if yours is different okay a Gundam wing bootleg was like six to ten dollars and the official was like 60. yeah that sounds about right today you know now you have like bluefin's brand who are distributing so yes there are still 60 dollars kits of course but like you can get a perfectly reasonable actual for reals kit 
for 12 to $20. Oh. Like now kits have gotten way cheaper. Again, there are expensive That's good. ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now you can get the real thing because they're just more widely distributed. Like mm-hmm. now we have these companies that are the middlemen. There was no middleman back then. Yeah. So it's crazy. And, and back then finding that stuff and then... Uh, when I got to, when it got to the point where it's like uh, that in between again before the show came out, but then like I did spot more Gundam stuff like at a store. I'm like, it, it just felt um, it added that I had to look for it and hunt for it. Mm-hmm. It just made it so much cooler to me, yes. even though I had no idea. I'm kind of like coming up with this story in my head, but I, I have no idea what's going on here. Um, but just that having to find it and like it was like treasure and it, it just made everything so much more valuable. But also because at that point in our time anime stuff was so few and far between and Mm -hmm. everything was so weird you'd collect everything like my girlfriends and i random like random women that i'm meeting today we all have these binders full of like sailor moon cards and stickers and like playing cards i have like ranma playing and they're all bootleg like they're all garbage it's just cards with images from the show i have dragon ball ones just like that yeah did you put them in a folder yeah Yeah. what was that why did we all do that i still have oh my god i should i wish i brought it yeah, <laughs> thick ass folder, and again, it has like Tenchi, and it has Ranma, mm-hmm. and it has Sailor Moon, and Evangelion, and just all this stuff. And then I would do things like um, I'd go to, to the Asian market or something, and I'd see like a little candy tin of like Moomins or uh, some random old anime, and mm-hmm. I would just buy it and collect it. Or like you'd have a soda bottle that had a character on it, and mm-hmm. it went on top of my shelf because it was the only way to see them. Now you have everything in every price range and it's so accessible and you can buy online when i bought those sailor venus pin earrings that i referred to i sent like three dollars in coins via mail because (laughs) paypal didn't exist and i wasn't gonna ask my mom for a check she didn't know she didn't have to know what my 13 year old weird embezzling ass was doing (laughs) (laughs) and it was yeah and it never stopped um especially when i started buying the fan subbed videotapes the best ones were from Canada. Mm. And so I, you know, I would send cash like the first time, you know, it starts small, like $20. And if that transaction worked, I'd go to the same guy, give him a hundred. And my pro- my product, my, <laughs> my videotapes always came, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of, uh, a yeah. lot of that. I would always borrow my cousin's tapes or, um, the same market had like a video store. And again, you're just kind of, it's a gamble. You're like, I'm not quite sure what this is, but let's go for it. Or it when like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video started carrying things and it'd be like Legend of the Overfiend this looks like a good movie oh boy <laughs> and uh, yeah just weird <laughs> stuff because they didn't know so you know I rented Devil Hunter Yoko um, the first one and I love the art style to this mm-hmm. day great looking 90s anime within I'm not I watched it with my mom I'm like I like this stuff called anime and she's like alright let's you know let's get a load of this within I'm not even kidding th- five ten minutes of the movie starting there's like She's in some sort of hypnotic daze and there's a dude sucking her tit. And I'm like, so embarrassed. I'm like, oh my. I'm like, I'm watching this because I'm mature. Imagine what happened when I saw a ninja scroll with her. That was one where I'm like, oh, I finally got it. Let's see what the big deal is. And I'm like, oh, thank God I'm alone watching this. Because like your parents see it. And like, let me back up and say it. The problem with 90s anime is like, there was way too much unnecessary rape. They ju- yeah. They like, it was such a freaking trope and like we don't have to go on like some political tangent Mm -hmm. here but let me just point out like what was that i don't know it was just a thing artists wanted to draw that for some reason every fucking show just had like it was just all like that was the 
that was the vehicle that pushed the plot yeah. every fucking time. It's like, can we get over them? I'm glad we're over this now. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think back the first time I saw anime on just regular TV. I want to say it was Cartoon Network showing Robot Carnival. That's the earliest, like mainstream tv i don't know if that sounds familiar to you it doesn't but i remember when sci-fi showed anime movies okay yeah that i just remember like it was on it, it anime had this weird vibe back then it Japan was animation like, you or, mean yeah Jap- oh my god Ugh, right? i Ugh. totally forgot taste, that term the, until taste, right now taste those words Ugh. <laughs> my my local video store had the sign that said oh animation. i, I know like, it's <laughs> awful <laughs> um I just remember they would always they when they did show it it was on late at night so automatically as you're you're a kid and you're like oh this has like some weird vibe like I'm not supposed to watch it mm, like but Aeon Flux yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Um, but yeah it, it was just weird how it went from that to now it's just it's everywhere so accessible now. and you know to like tie it back to toys um, yeah like it's so accessible and mm-hmm. Bandai just crushes it with every anime series you can imagine there's toys of everything mm-hmm. um and it's it's fantastic you can find just amazing versions of you know any megazord you want you can like the chogokins and you can find your vf1s from you know from macross mm-hmm. robotech like everything is is available it's so beautiful yeah. i was uh i mean even to this day like if i'm going for a toy to giant robot um uh, my, my cousins were the ones that kind of got me into the giant robots. They were like Transformers collectors. They have a lot of like G1 stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember. Oh God! So my my, my <laughs> when Power Rangers first came out here. Do you? Let's see. How old were we? I think we're the same age. Are you thirty four? Thirty four. Oh, we're thirty four. Okay. okay, cool. Um, do you remember that first rush of like Megazords that came out? I do not. Was that ninety okay. three? Because yeah, remember I moved Early to Israel 90. and. I, okay. I moved to Israel in 90, 94 to 97. So so Power Rangers aired there in like 94. Okay. And I was like all about it. Yeah, yeah. But I just don't remember the wave of toys. Oh, God. Okay. So my parents, God bless them, they went to every store they could and like they just weren't available. It was like, um, it, it was just fun to, it was just funny to me to see like, oh, that kind of toy is like in now because it's like. I thanks to my cousins. I knew that was like a Japanese thing, and yeah. I'd seen their toys. So it was just kind of weird to see like such high demand for something like that. They were great. I mean, even to this day, like you still collect them today. I do. I collect okay. Megazords. I don't necessarily collect the newest versions from the newest seasons of Power Rangers mm-hmm. because I just I'm just not happy with the quality of the toy. But when I see it's, it's Hasbro now, right? Even the last few uh, Saban Bandai ones were, oh, pr- okay. were pretty dinky. Okay. But yes, it's uh, it's Hasbro now. So I bought their first ones, not the Ultra Megazord, but just like the smaller ones. I bought it to like support, like hey, you you have this franchise mm-hmm. now. You're making the robot. Um, I wasn't pleased with with just the quality or the aesthetic. It was like for a company that's been making transforming robots for 35 years, you kind of didn't do this one right. But they'll learn. They're they'll learn. It, they'll they'll do fine. Um, but yeah, like I have my favorite Megazords. I you know of course I have it's the Mighty Morphin one and mm-hmm. then the Dragon Zord. I love the chunky Lost Galaxy one. I love the Astro Megazord from In Space because to me that's, that's like that's the one missing from my collection. I'm like, God, oh, I wish I, I had have that like, one. I think I have like three or four. I have oh. the, I have the 18 inch <laughs> Jumbo. I have the actual like Megazord one, like 12 inch. I have the 
build I have the build a Megazord one from the in space um, Bandai releases that was more recent so you buy each figure and you mm -hmm. build the Megazord I fuck the rest of those figures I just wanted the Megazord so I, when I found it at a show for like 30 bucks I was all about that because I didn't want to buy the other figures to build him I just wanted him <laughs> and then I think I might have one more but to me it's like the sound wave of power rangers like i look at it it's like straight up has what looks like a cassette deck it, yeah. and it's all blue it's fantastic i love 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 that one um i love the power ranger samurai one and then in 2011 there was this awesome line i think it was toys r us exclusive but bandai had released this like six inches i want and i think the line was called it wasn't like legacy something but it was yeah they just released like 12 megazords and they were ten dollars each and i just bought <laughs> ever living fuck out of all of them i was lucky and because no one cared in mm. 2011 today if that happened gone because people more and more and more people are collecting but when that stuff came out in 2011 i swooped that Power Ranger aisle and I was the only one there. <laughs> I'd have I'd have like moms being like, Oh are you are you like, oh can you help me pick out like I have my son, you know, likes Power Rangers. Can you are you shopping for a kid? I'm like, no. <laughs> shopping for me. I'm I'd, a collector. Yeah, I'd go into Toys R Us, rest in peace. Um I'd go into Toys R Us like just to kill time sometimes. I'm like, I, I just, just want, I want to like get stuff there. I would just take a walk. Yeah. I honestly I I meandered Toys R Us and I purchased, but I just it was a destination to hang out. Yeah. Um, I have a. I don't know if we want to talk about this story because it makes me look like a scumbag. But I have a fantastic story about uh, my final Megazord purchase at Toys R Us. Oh. It was the last day that the, my local one was open. Mm -hmm. It was the end of it. So they had received, and this toy sucks. It's it's big. It's <laughs> it's that huge Lion Megazord Fortress playset enormous this thing Line for, okay. it's from the tape like from the table here it's like this big chunky and just is cheap plastic shit okay so when that one was released and this is still saban era they had a price tag of a hundred dollars and nobody was gonna pay for that mm -hmm. so my local store seriously had stacks of like probably 50 40 like 30 40 50 of these nobody wanted them so toys r us you know announces it's going out of business and they start kind of just putting out all their stock and they're like now this is this many percent off this is 10 percent off now this is and so i was like i'm gonna gamble so there was a toy there was a power ranger um the 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 large dino thunder dino charge dino the dino charge red so okay. once he dropped to $30, I was like, I'm buying it. That's okay. a good price. It's a price I can justify. $30 were good. And I bought him. So then I kept my eye on that Lion Fortress Megazord playset. And I was like, I'm not buying it for 100 And then, you know, 10% off, 20% off, 30% off. And then we're literally at the last day at the store. And now it's 90% off. So this, Holy oh, shit. So this big in was going to go for $10. I'm like, I will buy that for $10. I knew I was gambling. I could have bought it for 20 but I played Russian roulette. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to give this one more day. And I did. And I tried to get to the store at 10 a.m. when they opened. But I walked in at like 10.15. And I see people with these beasts in their carts. And I'm like, oh, my God. Did I, like... Did I really miss it? And I'm looking oh. around, and I and I see like a gentleman and his two kids. I'm like, do you, is there a stack? Like, where did you grab that from? 
And he's like, oh yeah, no more, sorry. And then I saw this like punk family with their cool tattoos and <laughs> they had them. And they also had some of the like 2017 movie toys, which ew, good luck with that. Mm. But <laughs> Wasn't a fan of that either. Yeah. No, it was the worst movie yeah. I'd ever seen in my life. Um, beer, beer did not fix that movie. <laughs> so, so yeah, I see a couple people with this thing in their cart and I'm like, oh my God, I really missed it. Like I played Russian roulette too hard. I lost, I'm the worst. Then, <laughs> then I saw a pregnant woman with one in her cart and it, her cart was stacked up to here and it's literally falling off. And she's like struggling and, and balancing and it's like everything is about to topple on her. And I guess like now that like I feel like a dick said pointing out that she was pregnant because I had nothing to do with anything <laughs> other than like maybe her balance was, I mean like it has nothing to do with anything other than I'm a jerk. <laughs> so I rush over to her and I'm like, oh, can I like help you? Like, every, you know, oh my God. And then I was, you know, so I help her and she's like, oh, thank you. And I was like, by the way, are there any more of this? I'm a collector and I, you know, I, if you can point me to the stack of them. And she's like, oh, you can take it. I just grabbed it because it was there. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Like, are you sure? <laughs> wow. I didn't totally just come up to you to facilitate this persuasion wow <laughs> you are the nicest have a great day and i got my shitty ten dollar <laughs> lion fortress megazord playset nice. I, pro I probably would have done something similar Absolutely. Like, i just, just grabbed it and ran <laughs> if i'm being completely honest you're among fellow scumbags here don't uh, worry <laughs> no i can't i couldn't i can't steal from someone <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> persuasion was was a better angle yeah no that's a it, I, especially at that time too everything it, Everything was just gone, and it was really sad seeing all those shelves. Man, shelf the air. nostalgia oh, man. of that ending mm -hmm. was just, like, so much for me. Because my thing was, when I was growing up, it was the 12-inch G.I. Joes. Mm. Yeah. Right? And, like, never has a toy, like, defined the rest of my life than the 12-inch <laughs> G.I. Joe. Yeah, my Duke. Through the 90s. I, I, have a, I have a Duke figure that, like, looks just like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's... It's incredible because eventually I would go on serving the military, but those figurines were the cool. Like even to this day, my Christmas tree topper is a Navy Seal 12-inch uh, GI Joe. Oh, wow. oh you're the that's my nice. that's my Christmas tree <laughs> topper to this day. Oh my so, gosh, you're it's, so it's, cute. It's one of the last ones I have, and he's still got full kit. He's still got his rifle, and it's like the that was such a defining toy mm -hmm. line for me. Yeah. Right. I'll never forget that toy, you well, know. Um, I mean, and in regard to, you know, toy and toy culture and like just to go back one second to um, to Toys R Us, you know, people are still hungry for that nostalgia. Um, one of the things we, you know, the cover on Toy Wizards isn't just, you know, what action figures are new and coming out, what toy is new and coming out. We report on the on the next steps and creepings of um, Toys R Us and KB Toys. Whenever anything mm -hmm. come out, comes out in the news about these companies, people want to know. And it's this really upsetting love-hate relationship. It's like they treat it like the parent who left them or like the or the relationship that broke their heart. Oh. And then they go like, I hate you. And then the second any of that news comes out, they read it and they're like... I still hate you, but, <laughs> I'm, but I'm reliving a moment with you. But please come back. Please, please come back. back. Yeah, and it's sad. It's sad. Um, you know, and it's interesting 
on a business level to see like what Toys R Us is doing and what their plans are. Because um, they're still in other countries, I believe, right? They are. Okay. So they their international stores are doing fine. Oh. Um, China, Japan, Canada, um, all their other international stores, they don't, they're not owned by the same parent company. Uh, so they're doing fine. I would imagine a Japanese Toys R Us must be badass we actually covered one on, toy- oh. on toilet. Oh, yeah scott goes to japan every year for business mm-hmm. and he checked out a japanese toys r us and he took a lot of pictures and wrote up an article and it was actually a pretty heavy hitter on the site it's mostly the same except they have a wall of like vinyl kaiju and a okay. section for model kits oh, and they okay. also have tons of um that girly anime is it pretty care pre-care there's tons like that's more popular than Barbie, so that the most oh. popular girls' toy as of last year was pre was uh, pre cure. Yeah. Oh, I don't know nice. That one. Oh, um, what's uh, let's see. What, what what are you into now? What's your what's your jam now? Oh my gosh, I'm weird. So if you couldn't tell, so I'm still collecting Megazords. I'll collect. Um, I love just of various sizes. So I have. Maybe nine of the Mighty Morphin Megazords. Mm -hmm. I don't have the same one twice, which would, there's nothing wrong with that. But I will have, um, you know, the vintage, the legacy, the reissue, the this Japanese size, the, you know, all of them. Um, So I, just the other day bought a Japanese Lost Galaxy Megazord that was in the 9-inch scale as opposed to the 12-inch scale. And that one was super cool. Um, I'm collecting some Transformers. Okay. I definitely... It's funny. I did get the G1 reissue Optimus Prime that was at Walmart, but it was originally uh, $50, and I couldn't justify that price, so I bought it for 35 when it finally went on sale. But when the Soundwave came out just recently, I geeked out really hard, and I bought <laughs> two of them. <laughs> there you go. And, like, two packs of cassettes. It, I didn't question it. It was worth that $100 um, for the two of them, mm-hmm. $50. Like, I just, you know, because, like, I needed to open one because it was a boom box. And, like, then I turned no, them I, into a robot. No, yeah. for anything I really liked, I did that, too. Like, you have to have one to, like, open, and then you want to display the other one, like, on your shelf somewhere. Right. And with, with Optimus Prime, I didn't want the truck. So it was a oh, okay. easy no yeah. to like, I don't need him in the box because I don't want the truck. Of course I want the boom box. I don't want the truck. Yeah. So I just wanted the robot. But, you know, I collect tchotchkes. Um, I collect some strange, like, girls line of toys from the 80s. Like, there were the Shira dolls, like the, what were they, like, six inch or so, five, five inch Shira dolls. There were other, I call them warrior babe dolls. Like, um, they're called Golden Girl. Golden and Girl. They are so great. Not to be confused with the show. Not Golden Girls. Yeah, not gold, to be, Golden Girl. Exactly. Not to be confused with Dorothy and Blanche and Rose, but no, there's a... Although I would buy that figure line. For you it, can get them from NECA Toys right now. Oh! Nice. <laughs> well, I know what I'm getting at the next convention. And anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, Golden Girl are a line of warrior babes. They're taller than Shira dolls. They're thicker than Shira dolls. They're made by Galoob, and their skin is like that rubbery, like Barbie used to be made out of this okay. back in the day. So the thigh are like rubbery and it's like layers of rubber i know because i used to peel my barbie's thighs you can't do that anymore <laughs> yeah rub, it was this chewy rubber nice but that's what go- the golden girl dolls are made of and so they have this garish makeup and these like ju- they just look like heavy metal babes and oh, so nice. you know shira you're like oh yes yeah, she's a warrior with a barbie face but no like golden girl that's like like she's gonna she's a roller derby babe she's gonna get you um love that toy line and then but there was never a corresponding cartoon and that's what makes things 
known or unknown. If there's no cartoon or no comic book, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's so funny that like kids wanted story. Again, it goes back to like us making up our own stories. They yeah. want story and lore behind whatever they're playing with. Kids like, to this day, I mean, kids were always the same. They want to hold that doll and watch the show or the movie. My, I totally did that. My, Dude, my daughter Land Sharks. Land Sharks had one of the Land greatest Sharks. freaking line of toys ever. Like Which the, one was that? So the so Land Sharks was like uh, another company's answer to Ninja Turtles uh-huh. mm-hmm. and stuff like. So they were supposed this to compete. This isn't Street Sharks. This is Land Sharks. No, sorry, Street Sharks. My bad. Mispronounced Street Shark. It's okay, street no, sharks. no, no. Now that, it is that I sparks. do know. So that Street Sharks is the was the answers to like uh like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but they had the coolest toys because like you can put your hand into the back of the shark and my like my cousin had that and one. like bite yeah. and like do you guys remember that and like punch yeah. and like and then they came with the rollerblades mm-hmm. and like they were a little radical like yeah the nine I think they were toys. before their time though almost a lot of toys had the anthropomorphic like animal and then there was like a crew of them yeah. Yeah, it was funny the blend between humanoid and like anthropomorphic mm-hmm. non-humanoid. Um, it was a lot of them. Uh, what else was like? Yeah, I'm trying to think what else. What do I collect? I collect other weird girly lines like um, there's glamour gals, which they're the same one. scale as GI Joe, and okay. they're made by Kenner. And they're like these fancy chicks. Uh, my friend Mark Blomo, who is a very well-known toy author, he was m- most recently on Toys That Made Us. Um, he goes on about Glamour Gals because the play sets were apparently like the best. But more recently at a convention, I came up on a whole collection of a competing toy line called Dazzle, which by Mattel, which is another like four-inch fancy girls. I wasn't aware that companies were trying to do... Well, it's we, the same thing with we G.I. Ju- Joe. We just yeah. said Street Sharks yeah. and, and Ninja Turtles. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, think try to think of, like, He-Man competitors. Okay. Like, I know there was, like... Or things that came out around the same time. There was, like... Uh, more. Who do I talk about? Insectors? Do you know them? I remember Insectors. Or, not Insectors. Sectors. They yeah. were insects, but it was but they, Sector. They, those are the yeah. ones with the jaws that could like really like bite you, right? That, no, Sectors that, were like... Is that what I'm thinking of? They, they were like... These dudes, these action figures of these dudes that had these like masks that sort Did of they looked have, like, like bugs. a hologram on them? No. No. no I think it's someone, that's someone, I'm visionaries, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. That's someone else. That's yeah, no, there's, just, I mean, it's easy to get this stuff mixed up. Yeah. There's so much. 80s and so 90s were much. huge for toys. What's yeah. What's the most obscure one that you're, that, that you can think of? That like I have? Yeah. I am in love with Spectra dolls. Spectra. Spectra. Spectra was a line made by Mattel. Um, they are in the exact same scale as Barbie. Okay. And at first glance, you might think they're Barbie dolls. But uh, they are lacy, spacey, and out of this world. So you had these what looked like alien robot chicks with metallic skin. In my head, they were my first robots. Oh. So they had like, um, there was like the main one, Spectra, had like metallic pink skin. She looked like a robot. Is that it? Nope. Oh. Nope. That's like a monster <laughs> high or something. Damn. Um... And then they'd have like pink hair, and they had like a yellow girl, and then they had like a like a they had like a black girl who was all blue, and they had like one dude, and there was this collection of like four dolls. Uh-huh. And they again, the '80s were huge for robots and aliens, yeah. and you know, out of this world creatures. Is it that one? Uh, is that her? 
Yeah, she's got she's got pink metallic yeah. skin. Yeah, she's got like That's metallic. Her. Wow, that is gnarly. I love her. She, <laughs> Super I gnarly. I loved that doll. That is awesome. So I have her um, in the box, and then I have the one that has the blue skin, and uh, you know she's she's African American, and but she has the blue metallic mm-hmm. skin. Uh, so I have two of them. And I'm, I want the yellow one, too. Um, they're amazing. So that's sort of obscure. Uh, what else do I have that might be more obscure? Um, I have some, you know, Rainbow Bright dolls. I have some Iron Giant. I collect robots of just all sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I have... I do have custom toys that people have sent me. So dudes who are big in the G.I. Joe customizing community, Matt LaCroix, Scorch Earth Creations, he'll send me customs. I get custom... Uh, exclusives from like the SoCal Joe show. So to me, that's also really rare to mm-hmm. have any sort of prototype or exclusive. Oh, so okay. I, I do have some of those. Um, I are, the, have, are those the same guys that do those like third party transformers that are like overly complicated? No, or is that that's a different that, animal? That's different. Okay. Uh, yeah, the custom toy community will do like a small run, very small run of like hand painted, hand sculpted. Mm-hmm. Um, third party is like, it's a step above a bootleg, you know? Okay. But. You see that a lot in like Transformers, Transformer toys. And yeah, stuff. I've seen some like reviews of some, and I'm like, that looks way too insane. To, like, some of them are yeah. gorgeous, um, and they'll look like just like the um, the cartoon when you transform them. Yeah, yeah. Some of them look better than the Hasbro and the Takara Tomy ones, but mm-hmm. you know, like I don't, I can't really, I can't really pr- not promote, but I just don't, uh, I don't. What's the word? I'm trying to find the right word. You uh, can't really. You can't. Back the, you want to back like the official. I want to back the officials. Official okay. Um, you know, I, I think people deserve to make money off their IP. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, of course, sometimes we'll show off really like if it's if it's a mashup that will never exist from Hasbro, mm-hmm. we'll be like, hey, look at this! Like there was a Cookie Crisp third-party mashup, and like there was um, like a Captain America Optimus Prime third-party, but it's like so never gonna happen yeah. from Hasbro that we're like, look at this. Although Hasbro did make the Pepsi um, Transformer, I think that might have been an Optimus Prime, and they've done Pepsi a couple. Transformer? Yeah, it's real. Nice. There's a Pepsi Transformer. <laughs> it's it's officially licensed, and they also more recently did two Ghostbusters. One they did the they did the oh, Ecto. That was a huge one. For yeah, me. they yeah. did Ec- the Ecto Prime and the Ecto something else, the brown and white, and then the huge Optimus Prime one, which I actually got. I from saw one. that one. At nice. The, I saw that one. At That's the so convention. cool. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Yeah, I I was actually, and what's even better, I didn't even. I don't even know if I should say this, but I'll say it. It was actually a thank you gift from Hasbro. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. That's you how you change your mind on it. Yeah, that, that's when you know you made it. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're getting thank you gifts they, from the actual companies I, that make these I toys. I was lucky enough after I, I covered them so extensively. Um, so, and I hope, you know, I hope respectfully that after Comic-Con, they sent me a box. That's so oh, cool. man. Yeah. If you told your eight year old self, like, Hey, the company's just going to give you one. Be like, Whoa. That's like getting an MVP trophy. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Part, I mean, <laughs> it's lu- and it's really lucky. Like it comes with the territory of being a toy journalist. I have been lucky enough to build these relationships and you know i get you know what i what i decline politely decline most is um i get asked to review a lot of board games and i can't some i'll do you know some some i have agreements where i'm like all right like i'll i'll do your pre-announcement of your game you can send me a copy i'll Mm -hmm. do i'll use it as a giveaway for the site see it's funny the only board games that stuck out to me were the ones that had like a giant like 
you know, playset looking thing and figures actually play Are around you more with, into you know? like tabletop gaming or because like, um, I'm not. I'm, like I'm not, all not really about, at all. I'm yeah. all about family board games. Mm-hmm. Like to me, Clue is a great game. Yeah. So, you know, back in the 90s, you know, we would play a lot of a lot of those games. Hungry Hungry Hippos. Mousetrap. Mousetrap. Yeah. See, Mousetrap, that one stuck out to me because like there's a lot of stuff to do like right, physically. You, build, you, you, know? you yeah. built the thing. Um, of course, you know, Crossfire, because we were all seduced by the commercial. That commercial. Um, that, <laughs> that commercial. jingle is still stuck in my head. Oh, yeah. It's in, it's in there right now. Um, you know, all of those, uh, again, I loved Girl Talk. And mm-hmm. I find my, I don't know if I said Pretty Pretty Princess already, but like, I love Date Phone. Like, I just loved. I remember that. I as just, soon as you said that, Jesus. <laughs> I just loved that shit. So like now as an adult. I, I mean, I'm sure those games still come out. If you go walk around the game aisle at mm-hmm. Walmart, it's all like piss and shit and like pimple popping games. That's what kids are into right now. Yeah. Literally, it's like the toilet sprays you in the face or the dog's <laughs> going to shit on you or like don't or like pop the pimple. And that's fine. I have no opinion. I think it's very actually very healthy that mm-hmm. children laugh at bodily functions because I've known way too many self-conscious chicks oh, yeah. um, who are just like, I've literally met way more chicks than I, than I should <laughs> of like, who won't go to the bathroom at their boyfriend's house. So if girls now, right <laughs> oh now, God. so if little girls right now can laugh about poop and vomit, like, let's teach that. Yeah, yeah. like normalize it. Let's normalize yeah. it so that when it's time to poop at your boyfriends, you poop at your boyfriends and go, what? <laughs> yeah. What, dude? It's like, <laughs> hey, it's either going to be in there or out here. And yeah. So like, you, I got to go. You, you, you choose. Yeah. You choose. <laughs> Tell me how you feel about it. It, it makes me think of that old, uh, that old episode of Crank Yankers where she's like, I'm going to piss on your counter. I'm going to do it all. <laughs> 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 oh, that's like so old, but like, I, I love that thought, show. I, I feel like I just saw it on TV again. Like they brought it back. Yeah, Crank Kickers back. Yeah, they brought it back. Yeah. Right? Okay. It was a big thing at Comic Con this year. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, but yeah. So on that, so that's what family board games are doing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting just like every game that a company wants me to review is like a tabletop gaming experience. Oh. Like I turn over the box and I look at the back and it's like. 14 rows of cards and all these little figures and pieces and i'm just like oh my god i don't i will never play this like i don't have the time to review and you need like six people to play it you need one person who's really well versed in it to like narrate it so it takes like four hours to learn how to play three hours to set it up a a year to find friends willing to come over and then i have (laughs) to either record it with a video or just take lots of pictures while we're playing so I can write up a review. Oh, it's too hard. There are some games that, you know, I'll publish. I'm way more into, and I'm way more into, like, a toy or a gadget that, you know, if a company is goodly enough to send to me for review, that's more my flavor. Mm-hmm. So I'll get sent, you know, a box of Funko Pops, and, I, of course, like everybody in the collector sphere, because a lot of the people who read our site are you know, more high-end collectors. So they'll be like, ugh, the Funko Pops. But I'm like, yeah, but your wife who just watched my video is like squeeing right now. She's yeah. happy. I just <laughs> yeah. made her happy. So I mean, like, so how do you feel about the, the, the emergence of like the Funko Pop? Being a collector and a toy expert, how do you feel like that is affecting the toy, you know, environment? And I know it's more collect. Like my thing is, is like a toy I can't play with is not a toy. You know, and like, and I, yeah, and I'm like, I, I don't know if that is that a bad way of thinking about I mean, it. If or? every toy you have to play with, every if every toy you play with has to have articulation, then yes, you're set up for failure with a Funko. Yeah. Pop. Oh yeah. yeah. I get that. Um, you know, I've never my I've never seen 
my daughter play with a Funko Pop in the yeah. same way that she plays with a Barbie or a, you know, or a toy from yeah. a movie or a show that she likes. Um, I'm very generous with toys. Yeah, I'm even wondering, like, who are they even targeted at? It has to be, well, like, older collectors, They're collectors. Right? The yeah. thing is, um, you know, how do I feel about Funko Pops? They make way more sense than Beanie Babies. So, yeah, so they I'll, I'll, that's okay. fair. They 100%. make more sense. And, oh, God, I totally they, forgot they just, about that crazy. They anyway. just make more sense. Like, who told you that a stuffed walrus was going to be worth something? If you want to collect it because you think it's adorable and you want to put that all over, all over your shelves, beautiful. Mm. Do that. Why would you think that an unlicensed cat plush yeah. is going yeah. to be <laughs> who like brilliant yeah. marketing? So with Funko, I admire their business model and their just the way the company is constructed so much. Like from a business standpoint, they are just brilliant. Yeah, the licensing are, department. Good they job. are man, everything. And what the way they do things, and this is just anecdotal. This isn't from them. Oh, yeah. But the way they do things, it's like they'll they'll do waves of toys from like television or movies, and then you know you people over here being like, I'm never gonna buy one of those, and then they'll suddenly do one from like old commercials, and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. with the Energizer Bunny, I might need that, and then they do one from like a wave <laughs> of games, and you're like, ooh, Spyro the Dragon, I might need oh, that. I oh, definitely man. need that. And then they'll yeah, so they do like. They're so good at licensing everything. So yeah, like I said, you know, they do all of your cartoon characters, and you're like, nope, not seduced. And then it's like, then they do all the games, and you're like, ooh, I'm I'm peaked. And then it's like, yeah, then Chester Cheetah comes out, and you're like, forget it. I yeah, got him. you got, I got take him. my money. I take, take my they money. They find you. They will find you. And you know, they do sometimes get these licenses for things that don't have toys. For example, I'm always you know repeating myself on my live streams, but like Mystery Science Theater 3000. Doesn't have toys, but I have my Funko Pop, Tom Servo, and Crow. I yeah. have my Funko Pop, Evil Lynn, because I collect Evil Lynn. Mm -hmm. And then I have now my Chester Cheetah. I have four Funko Pops. Yeah. Without shame. I mean, the, the, you're right with the way that they market it. Like, I mean, the whole, the coolest pop to me has been the Ned Stark Headless. Like, that was literally <laughs> the coolest one. And you cannot find that thing anywhere i didn't even know that happened. I, yeah, yeah so it, it happened and it was like a limited release and now it's like for something that happened so soon to be worth so much it blows my mind because normally it takes years and years for toys to accrue this value well one yeah. thing that funko did very intelligently and it's why they didn't suffer like mattel and hasbro did after toys r us collapsed is that they never put all of their product into one store they always had here's a target exclusive here's a gamestop exclu exclusive here's a hot topic exclusive and here's a convention exclusive and then here you go target and oh, walmart brilliant. here's yeah. your, here's here's whatever you guys here's get convention yeah. exclusive yeah, yeah everything yeah and so by doing that, by only having a certain percentage of your stock in however many stores at the same time, and they have Barnes and Noble exclusive, if that store disappears, it it's it's nothing. It's yeah. you know, I mean not nothing. I mean there's impact, but it's not It's not gonna ruin you. Mm -hmm. It's not detrimental impact like yeah. the way it was when Toys R Us collapsed. Absolutely. Oh, I see. Um let's see, what's another oh, this is one I wanted to ask you. Where um so of all those properties in the 80s that like came and went like what's one you would bring back oh my gosh um there's a lot i know <laughs> well some of them are coming back independently like i do like those sector toys but mm -hmm. uh, i think it's zika 
Zika toys um, is bringing those back. Zika or Zeta? There are, I think Zeta makes his Transformers, so Zika toys is bringing back the Sectors. Okay. Um, I would love to see, and I know they, that they've tried to do Rainbow Bright a couple times, and every time mm-hmm. they do it, it's just worse and worse and worse and worse. So maybe Rainbow Bright needs to go forever. <laughs> but um, let's see, what toy from Toyland? Golden Girl. I would bring back Golden Girl. Okay. Um, cause I love my warrior babes, but at the same time, I feel like there's always a balance of who are you bringing it back for? Mm-hmm. Um, I would never force my kids to play with anything that mattered to me as a kid. One, because they have their own childhood and two, don't touch my shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although my daughter's really into my rainbow bright dolls yeah. and, uh, she had her little stinky hands on my vintage, uh, Japanese, Magic Knight Ray Earth plush because mm-hmm. I have a couple of those you know from that old 90s anime and so she likes to um, she likes to test her boundaries <laughs> that's fair <laughs> yeah yeah that's what kids do but you know I also really do like to see what children today even though none of my toy news writing focuses on children um, and the toys that they play with not specifically like I would um, but it's just not there's there's so much of that with YouTubers like they're they'll oh, man. they'll yeah. unbox oh, the LOL. That's a whole that's a whole thing. Yeah, like just the yeah. unboxing. The unboxing. Thing. Like these people and the, like those kids are great. Like don't get me wrong, but they're getting millions and millions of views from other kids that just want to see them. Yeah, with Open toys. Yeah, and it's grown women too. Like my daughter watches this one YouTuber called Cookie Swirl C, where it's just disembodied hands like gushing about the toys she's opening. Um, a problem, and it's funny, I sort of discussed this um, earlier on a different show, but I'll I'll talk to you guys too about it. Uh, The problem with certain toys, like the LOL toys, Mm -hmm. is that the act of opening the box has replaced playing with the toy. The game Uh. game is now opening the box and there's little baggies of here's the sunglasses, here's the sippy cup, Mm -hmm. here's the outfit, here's the shoes. And so my kids will buy lols and i tell them don't open that shit in my car because it's seriously a grenade of plastic yeah. yeah it's not like i can't have a sippy i can't have a straw at starbucks but like that shit can still <laughs> yeah, yeah right. it's a big pet peeve of mine <laughs> when they overdo it on the packaging oh my yeah. god so my kids will trash my car and then i look back and then like they don't even play with it it's the same gripe I have. Like that became the game for some reason. The game yeah. is opening yeah. the blind box. Yeah. The game, like the same thing with like slime. Slime. Um, kids today love slime. The game is making a mess. Now, granted, there's exceptions. You will have mm-hmm. your child that will dribble the slime from a castle, and it's an obstacle, and he mm-hmm. or she will be like, "Oh no! Look, the slime wall is preventing us from. We've now we have to save the blow." Yes, that kid still exists. But, like, for a lot of other kids, here's the slime, make a mess, walk away. That's the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah. the, maybe, maybe, like, it was like that when we were kids, too. I don't think I was like that. Um, yeah, I remember there were some Ninja Turtle play sets that had the, the slime or the mutagen. I remember that. Yeah, yeah I th- hated cleaning those up. And I remember with Ghostbusters, there, oh, was, yeah. there was Ghostbusters ooze, and there was Ghostbusters yep. Play-Doh. Gl- uh, I specifically remember a commercial with uh, glow-in-the-dark play-doh that you were supposed to shove in a monster and it came out their eyes yes. and mouth. No, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Now I remember I had the um I have that three foot like firehouse mm-hmm. from Ghostbusters. Yeah, the one of the features was like pour the, right. the goose from the top and I'm like, I don't want to 
do, do that. that well, yeah, it, and then like that stuff like stuck everywhere. And right. like, it's a one-time use thing. Exactly. Like, like you get that one time, it. and then and then I gotta clean it. And, and then back in the day, um, if there was anything specific, like an add-on that needed to go with your toy. You, like I don't even know if you could buy refills no, at Toys R Us. I don't remember that at all. But like no, that was now, not yeah, now you can buy refills for your things. And my mom would always say, "This is a toy that needs a refill. The refills don't exist." Yeah. So that was always a problem. If it came with a refill, um, I couldn't have the toy. Yeah. Oh, that's a good deal. I just couldn't yeah. have it. Like if it needed, like because that's the thing too. You know, you have a game where it's all um, like specific marbles or like mm -hmm. this one game that some company sent me not too long ago, it had like, I want to say like eight moving parts of like, now you need this many of this marble and now you need these pegs and now you need these, this shape thing. And like, if you lost anything, you can play the game. And yeah. I, and every, like just trying to review this game, I was opening it going, my mom would hate this. My mom would hate <laughs> this. <laughs> so, um, you know, I hate kinetic sand for the yeah. same reason. Yeah. Um, it's just disgusting. Yeah, there is something too. Like, I want everything. Like, I want to be able to, like, you know, play and make a mess, but I also want it. Like, I want it to lead to something. Like, I don't Legos want, like, are a perfect yeah. example. Though, I, do, right? I don't want like parts leprosy. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like when like something has like too many accessories, and you gotta like, well, now I gotta have to have like a bag yeah. or a case or there's something. There's a right. there's yeah. an end game for Legos, right? You yeah. Pour them all out. It's a mess, but you build a magnificent Ninjago ca castle. Right, like that's oh, you've got my, a story about the Ninjago man, Castle. Man, Ninjago Castle. <laughs> that was my like. So when I was in, that was like one of the first stories. You oh yeah, told when I was in the military, <laughs> I used to uh, just buy a six pack of beer, and like this was like my escape from my world in the military. Buy a Ninjago, the biggest set I could find, put it together, get super hammer drunk, and then blow it up. <laughs> Like, that was my thing that I always did. And, like, I'm the worst collector of toys because, like, I'd be like, I'm going to keep this in the package. Like, I'm going to keep this in the package this time. But then, like, when it comes to Legos, I immediately, like, three days later, I'm like, screw I'm it. I'm going to build this. Screw it. Yeah. Like, yeah. why? I didn't buy this not to build it and yeah. play with it, you know? Yeah. There's certain toys where it's like, I, I, I understand keeping it, like, in the package and preserving it. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I... I, I most of the time, I end up playing. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I gotta open it. I'm like, the worst. This is what man. it's built for. This is yeah. There's a balance for me too between leave it in the box and open it up. Yeah. Uh, just today, I received, uh, or I rather, I reviewed on Toy Wizards. Um, so there's this premium statue company called PCS Collectibles, mm -hmm. and their statues are like five hundred to a thousand dollars. Very expensive. So I learned not too long ago they have a budget line and they had released the Mighty Morphin Red, Green, and White Ranger okay. GameStop exclusives for only $50 a piece. So I had to buy all three <laughs> because even all three of them was still a quarter of the cost of one PCS collection collectible mm -hmm. statue. And I got them today and they were perfect. I did take them out of the box and I put them in one of my... Five glass cases. Oh, <laughs> nice! That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I put them in the and they they didn't take up too much space, so all three of them were able to fit on one shelf. They looked gorgeous. I put the picture on social media, tagged the shit out of it, and like I'm not kidding. That's like I don't know if I've ever had that many views on an <laughs> that's Instagram so picture. Cool. Oh no, yeah. Once yeah. I find a new place, it's like I have so many things that I'm like that are just dying to be on display. I have the Ninja Turtle sewer set and the Technodrome, and they mm -hmm. were built to be like connected together yeah Ugh. 
And then, uh, yeah, I had a lot of play sets growing up, so. I was gonna say, you mentioned a room of things. What's in there? What do you call uh, it? It's, my, it's like an office. It's mostly like books and my desktop and yeah, I, I'm missing a lot of shelves, basically. So basically everything's in, it's all there. It's just in boxes. And I'm like, I need room to display this stuff. Gotcha. I have I'll some, play with it, bro. Yeah. I, no, you don't have I'll to tell do, me do, twice. No, no, I'll just set up a live stream and be like, yeah. David, go nuts. Yeah, dude, please. Um, I'm begging you. The one that I'm dying to, I wish I could like repair these, but I don't know where to even get parts. But um, I have this series called Dino Riders. I up. love Dino Riders. Like, out of all the ones I want to come <laughs> back, that one. Was, Where's that? I was actually, no, it's funny. I should have mentioned Dino Riders first because we are, when you mentioned, when we were talking about Insectors and mm -hmm. Street Sharks, I thought of Dino Riders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are so turbo. Oh my God, those were so cool. I just want a Tyrannosaurus with lasers on it. You'll head. never that, find them. I know. <laughs> like, I have. I, I have that one. I want like an updated one. That's the thing. Yeah. If you have one, hold on to it like it's your firstborn child. Because like yeah. seriously, like I I'm in I'm in a billion toy groups on mm -hmm. Facebook, and I recently asked like, hey, does anyone have collect sell Dino Riders? And everyone's like. Good luck. And the yeah. boxes, the box art. Boxes are so oh cool. Oh my God, they're the coolest. I'm a big believer in, how do I put this? I'm a big believer in like, make your packaging represent a, like a world you want to go to. Mm -hmm. That was the big thing with a lot of 80s toys. It was like this seduction of being pulled into another world. I'm mm -hmm. always talking about oh, it. Oh, speaking yeah. of, what, yeah, yeah. Uh, on top of the box art, their commercials oh my, were yeah. so good. Yeah, I, it was like going to Neverland. Like I never wanted to come home. Like <laughs> the old McDonald Land commercials, take me there. Ne <laughs> like take me to your toy Neverland. Take me to your, to your Crossfire dystopia. I don't want to go home. I want to be with these weirdos and play with toys. Yeah. And now oh, yeah. that's my grown-up life yeah. <laughs> i hang out with weirdos and i play with toys yeah and i think you made it yeah at I this point so too. <laughs> yeah and a lot of the best commercials were very smart they showed they had the nice setup for everything but they also showed the kid moving the toy in it so it's like oh i can do that yeah they'd have like the kid behind the playset mm -hmm. and they move the doll or the action figure mm -hmm through it and the uh, and the place that was like open for 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 the male gaze yeah. <laughs> it was spread open for the male gaze to appreciate yeah. it yeah. was yeah the problem with the dino rider stuff too is like the plastic is actually kind of brittle and a lot of it's held together with rubber bands what the fuck was with rubber bands back then yeah they're all like you know what make toys real sturdy rubber bands yeah <laughs> it was like the mego model like all those mego toys were oh rubber God, bands <laughs> they were different they those are those are being made again i got to interview marty abrams um for sci-fi mm -hmm. and yeah oh my god nicest man it was such a nice phone call and i you know i mean i'm a professional but uh yeah i definitely had a little bit of yeah you have to kind of like keep it in you're like uh. they sent me migos to thank me like they, i got a couple um nice. for free yeah nice. yeah it was it was a nice gesture i appreciated it they gave me the fawns and Samantha from Bewitched, and I think a football player that I don't know who he was. That's freaking <laughs> cool. But it was cool. It still, was, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I still have him. I mean, yeah, it was only last year. Like, I still have him. Nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> Dude, you're messing up, Justin. We don't get nearly enough free shit. Well, <laughs> this thing made any money. Yet, I'm, working can, that. I'm working on that. You guys can get, the, like, yeah, I swear, you guys could get um, pretty easily get manga to review or books mm. to review. You have to, what do you want? What do you want to review? Ooh, manga would be good. We do have a bad movie segment on here. We so. have a, yeah. 
And that's a lot of fun. Yeah, go go ahead and tell go ahead and tell a publisher, hi, can I have a copy of your movie? Because I, I, I want to review it for my <laughs> shitty movie <laughs> segment. Yeah, see how many movies you're saying. Exactly. Good luck with that problem. rattling through your head. That's why it's like movies that are like 10, 15 years yeah. old. It's like no, no one's going to bother us over that. I mean, look, free shit shouldn't be your motivation. But never. It certainly it's is never. nice. It's, it certainly is nice to, because for me, um, it's not like, it's not give me, give me. It's yeah. that item that I agreed to review is now content yeah. for my site. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I sincerely do want to check it out. If my opinion, if my garbage shit opinion matters to anybody, then I've succeeded. Oh yeah. That's a good point. And I mean, a lot of times I feel like it's like them telling you, you did a good job. Yeah, right. Like that's a, that's a, that's a telling sign that you're doing a good job. And I appreciate it. I sincerely yeah. appreciate every opportunity to review anything. So product yeah. review might be something in the cards. Cause we're kind of like retooling for next year. And like, uh, do we add segments? Do we take some back? So like product review might be a good idea. Maybe we do something on a YouTube channel. Cause we're only on audio right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't mind just being recorded, getting drunk, putting Legos together. <laughs> I've been pu- I've been putting that out. That, that. could Call be something. Me. Yeah, right. Call I've I've been putting that forever. I want I mean, that so that's bad. A, that's a live stream we could set up. We could do that. Uh, we can. Yeah, we, we can know, do it okay, tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, we'll we'll talk after this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, we're close to an hour and a half. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much no for coming. No problem. Out. Did you want to talk any convention stuff? Uh oh yeah. Why don't we do that? I What's don't mind. coming up for you? Oh my gosh. What's coming up for me? So I oh my God, we didn't even get to the convention. We're already <laughs> at an hour and a half. <laughs> you can let's keep it going. Yeah, keep it going. No, All we're right. cool. Um, conventions. I am. Let's see. I'm gonna actually be a guest at the SoCal Joe Show. Uh, us toy wizards have a table there, and that's in Lake Elsinore um, at Pins and Pockets. Okay. So that's where I'm gonna be a guest. But as far as working conventions. Um, I am the vendor, floor manager, exhibitor manager for the Long Beach Comic Expo. Oh. So I'll be working the floor there. there. That's January 11, 12. We also have oh, a... It's on my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Which one? 11 or 12? 11. Good job. <laughs> We're also doing um, a little after hours event called Sexy Cosplay Con. So that's going to be oh. from like 6 p.m. to uh, like 9 p.m. And that's just going to be like a fun celebration of being a garbage person. So I have Peep Show Menagerie coming. They're a nerdy mm-hmm. burlesque troupe. They're going to do a panel. We're going to do a panel on sexualizing everything in pop culture and why it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. We're going to do um, we're going to do a panel on lewd and sexy cosplay and we'll end the night with them doing a, an actual uh, nerdy burlesque performance. And meanwhile, it's at the um, it's at the Long Beach Convention Center. There's going to be a bar for 21 and older. Um, oh, tickets fantastic. tickets are $10 com. So, we're doing that. After. Sold. Yeah. Come. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please come. It'll be great. After that, I am the programming director for and media director for Pasadena Comic Con single day show January nineteenth. Oh, been to that con. Great. Yeah. I love that venue. It's fun. It's yeah. a, it's a fun show. So that's the that's the early um those are the early kickoff. Oh, and then I actually have um, my own show in Simi Valley called Simi Valley Toy and Comic Fest. Okay. So that's happening February 9th, 2020. But the biggest thing I'm doing in 2020 is uh, we have Power Morphicon coming. Ah. So that's a big one. Um, that's a big show. You know, going back to Power Ranger fans, I'm the media director on it. So there's a lot of work. Oh, fantastic. Um, I'll make sure to, like, get those dates. We used to cover more cons on this show. So maybe next year, again, I'd love to come out. <laughs> yeah, please come out. Hit me up. 
Uh, David, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Um, only thing I got to plug. I'm not that interesting. I <laughs> wish I was as interesting. Didn't as Didn't sound like it on the show, <laughs> right? I mean, I I just love toys though. I, like yeah. that's my thing. But uh, only thing I need to plug. Uh, me being a veteran, I like to uh, uh, put some light on veterans and veteran health mental physical um woundedwarriors.com is an excellent resource if you're a veteran out there and you're struggling a little bit just reach out reach out to me reach out to your buddies we're there for you fight's not over and you can find me on instagram at justin malari and on twitter at justin underscore malari actually i'll treat instagrams with you i got some toys that, like i want to get your opinion on because yeah. i got some buried in like my closet like yes. y'all see this. i do accept unsolicited toy pictures okay nice there you go nice. <laughs> um uh, the Geek Offensive is on social media as well with the handle at Geek Offensive. And uh, please continue to subscribe, download. We really do appreciate it. This is where the plugs are going to be different for right now just because, uh, as you may have heard, the Geek Say What Network will be dissolved by the end of 2019. I uh, just want to reassure everyone that the show is not going anywhere. We are still on Apple and Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. We're, we're everywhere. So the show's not going anywhere. It'll still be available every Tuesday like clockwork. So we've gone just fully independent. Uh, and then the only the last real shout-out we have is for our associate producers, Wayland Productions, who provide the space and the equipment for us. They help us sound great. Uh, couldn't do the show without them. Big shout-out to Casey Wayland for supporting us for these last few years. Make sure to check out his audio drama, Where Life Gold Rush, on Apple Podcasts right now. Uh, and I believe that's it for the show. Uh, Lauren, thank you again so much. This oh, was a yeah. Blast. Make sure you uh, link my social on all your things. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. We'll tag you on everything. Yay. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe to Join the Offensive. Thank you, everybody. Bye.